Hello, you guys. Uh, welcome to the Unbroken Ground episode, season two, episode three. Um, this this week, I've spent some time hanging out with junior high kids at a winter camp, and so I've got about maybe six hours of sleep. So I will freely admit that this one might be a little trippy, and I might ramble and also lose my way. Apologize for that. Um, I am not going to wait till next weekend to record after because I'm going with high school kids next weekend. But uh, I wanted to um, start to take a look at how the gospel has was presented and, and how that shaped me um, in my life. And then what ways would I do it differently now? Um, and so uh, this will be about... Um, the, the beautifulness of who God is is a creator who wants to know us, the, the, the ease of his yoke, the obedience um, that, that comes not from necessarily checking off a, a list of to-do things, but that comes from just that wanting to know and uh, glorify God with all that we do. Um, and um, just looking at the gospel, talking a little bit about my story, and then concluding with this idea about treasures. Uh, I think the title is going to be Pearls and Things. Uh, so I hope that you enjoy this. Um, and thanks for listening to So I spent the weekend uh, hanging out with a bunch of junior high, middle school kids. A lot of fun, uh, but definitely different than than I've done here in the past. So, uh, yeah, that's that was, but but still fun. And one of the things that as I as I thought about that, as I thought about what I wanted to talk about for the podcast, um, is really it, it really came back to uh, this idea that I wondered. Um, I've been thinking about. Um, what it means to present the gospel or what, what that looks like um, and what it meant to me and and how that's kind of changed over the years for me and where it is now. And so, yeah, I'm just going to take some time to dive into that um, tonight as I think about um, that the, the coming back from the weekend and where people are and, and where middle school kids are and where adults are and, and what that what that possibly means and so so I want I want to start there and I think where I start is just for me um, and I've I've said this in some other places so I won't go too deep into this um, but uh, well I've told the story I don't know if I've I've broken it down and I'm not trying to deconstruct that's not what I'm trying to do but just rather kind of think through the implications of what it is. And so when I was uh, in the eighth grade, I went to the Disciple Now, which if you don't know what that is, that's fine. Um, it was a just a weekend where um, we would get together, we would, we would have um, different age groups, would go stay at different people's houses, and we would do Bible study and worship and games and, and all this fun stuff. We'd do group stuff together, and then we'd do discussion things. And one of the things that they did at this Disciple Now, I remember exactly where I was, whose house I was at, uh, the, the details pretty uh, intensely. Um, but there was, a, there, there was a gospel presentation, and the, the guy that did the presentation, he was in the small group, and he was like, everybody close your eyes, um, and, and I want you to raise your hand if you don't know the answer to this question. And then he said, you know, if you were to get on a motorcycle tonight and go around the curve and you were to die, what would you say to Jesus Christ 
when you got to heaven? Um, what, what would you say? Why would he, why should he let you in? And that was one of the formative things of my early years of faith. Like, oh my gosh, I, I, because the reason it was so formative is because I, I didn't know what I would say. I, that, I was like, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I don't know why. Um, why, why would he let me in? Um, I don't have an answer to that. Um, I had, um, so as, as like I say, I've said, I've told the story before, so sorry if I'm repeating for some people, but, um, I accepted Christ when I was eight years old. I got baptized. My sister and I got baptized at the same time. Um, I, I do believe that up to, uh, my understanding of what an eight year old can understand about salvation, that I had that understanding that I want to do that. And I, that God saved that, that was a, uh, was a true commitment to, to proclaiming that God was Lord of my life. However, uh, with all things, especially with faith uh, and and that realization of moving from your parents' faith to your own faith, which happens in different stages, um, according to the book Stages of Faith, but um, regardless, it happens in different ways. Um, and for me, that became my eighth grade year uh, that, that I began to just basically say, well, what is this faith thing then? Um, because I had... Um, just began to really question what it meant to believe, what it meant to have faith. And so as I was asking those questions, one of the things that, because um, I'm just a great, I, I'm so good at doubting things, that uh, one of the things that, um, the questions that had popped into my head was like, what if God just isn't real? Like, what what if we've just made all this up? Um, you know, obviously that is something that, um People have debated for years after years after years, and and so it's not a new or fresh thought uh, necessarily. But for an eighth grader, for me, it was, and and it was terrifying. Um, and so when I got to disciple now, even though I had uh, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, um, I wasn't sure what where where I stood with God because I was like, well, man, I've been asking questions like, God, do you even exist? Are, are you even real? Are you even there? And so I was asking those types of questions. So, so when the, when the, uh, the small group leader was like, what are you going to say to Jesus if you were died tonight? And I was like, I don't know, because I, I just honestly at that time didn't have, um, the ownership of my faith. Uh, it, it I, I mean, it was some kind of quasi ownership between my parents and I, uh, you know, we, we always went to church. We were at church if the doors are open. I, and I didn't, ever resent that. Um, I love being at church. I, my friends were there, um, a lot of the time, uh, even, even, even if not, I love the music. I love the, just being there. Um, so, so it wasn't a hard sell for me. It was also just like something that's, that's what we do. It's, that's, that's what we as a family do. So it was never even an option. Um, I think my dad, if he felt like that, I needed that option, he would have given that to me, but we, but it just wasn't an option. That's not something that we considered because it was when the church is, is open, we're going to be there Sunday morning. My dad taught Sunday school. He was a deacon. We were there at church. And and that's just the way it was. I can remember a handful of times from the time that I can remember about my childhood till I got out of high school. I can count on one hand the number of times that we didn't go to Sunday school or church if the church was open. So, so that, that was, you know, the, that was the formation, the foundation of a lot of my faith. Um, but it got shaken because as, as they do, because, because faith has to be something that you take ownership of. You, you can't, 
you know, you can't be saved through someone else's faith. You cannot um, base all your belief on somebody else's belief. You cannot um, vicariously live a Christian life through someone else. It has to be yours, and you you have to make those decisions, and you have to determine what the truth is and what you think is is true and what is right. And so, um, that that's that's kind of that was kind of the the foundational kicker for me. Um, you know, it, as from an eight year old to the eighth grade, um, that I began to consider what it was to have faith. Um, and. And I think that um, as well-meaning as it can be, um, some, of the, some of the offshoots or the, the unintended consequences of tying our eternal salvation as the only selling point for the gospel, as the only meaningful point reason to be saved, um, can have some very bad downsides. And, and I think that as I think about, like, as I said earlier, was I've been thinking about, like, what does it mean to present the gospel? What does it mean to present the gospel to, to kids that are in middle school like I was? You know, um, I, I can remember going to a, another place uh, when I was a youth minister taking some kids to what's called a pre-Easter. And I remember a skit um, so vividly because um, I it's haunting, but I don't know that it is... Um, the right message. I, I'm still thinking through that, but the skit was like these people who didn't, were, who were friends with Christians, but the Christians didn't tell them about Jesus. They were being dragged down to hell. Um, and it's like, why didn't you tell me? You, you were my friend. Like, that's what they're screaming as they're being, you know, fake pulled down into hell. Um, and even as a college student, because that's how old I was then, uh, that was chilling, uh, frightening. Um, I mean, and, and also like so poor in theology, um, that, um, that, 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 that scenario that people are going to be like, you were my only chance and you didn't, you didn't tell me about Jesus. And so it's your fault that I'm in hell. Like that's, that's, that's very bad theology. That is, that is theatrical, that is hysterical, that is emotional driven. And, and that's where I think like that, I mean, obviously that's in the extreme, but I also think when, when we come back to when you, when you make the gospel presentation predominantly about what happens to you after you die, then, then you weaken the presentation of the gospel. When you make it predominantly about, I'm saying that again, because I think it's very important that you understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that it's not about what happens after you die. I'm not saying that. But when you make it predominantly and almost exclusively about what happens after you die, then you weaken the gospel. You weaken the appeal. Um, you, well, but you strengthen it in some ways too, right? Because that is like how we do like the emotional, psychological pool. Hey, if you were to die tonight and you were, you were faced with God's judgment, what would you say? And as a junior high kid, I think it scared the living daylights out of me. I don't know. I don't know what I would say. Like I've, I've, I've had doubts. Does that mean that, that I can't get in? Does that mean I, that I don't know who Jesus is? Cause I, 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 I haven't even, I don't even, I've doubted that he even exists. Does that, does that mean 
that I that I I've lost that I that I can't get in. And and I think um I mean and it's just so such an emotional like you only get one shot at what happens to you. When you de- when you're dead, you're dead. You can't change it after that. So you've got you've got to make a decision now. You've got to determine now. And and Jesus is coming back. Who knows? It might be the next moment. You've got to make that decision now. And because we tie all those emotional anchoring things to it, that we tie all those fear anchors to it, I think that we do a disservice to the fullness of the gospel. That there is more to it than that. Because because what happens, of what I've seen happen, what happened in my life, let's just say it that way, is that that I went from this emotional roller coaster of like, oh my gosh, I, I need to I need to figure this out, um, to 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 accepting a call to the ministry and rededicating my life, which but but then it just it just fed into this idea that like, okay, well now that you're a Christian, the thing that you got to do is you got to read your Bible and pray every day. Um, why? Well, because that's what Christians do. You and and then and then it really became really a list for for a good um, six to eight years of my early Christian life. I lived, sorry, not just my early Christian life, but but my post rededication life was built around how good can I be by fulfilling the the list that people think I should fulfill. So, like I said, like uh, you know, reading your Bible every day. Praying every day, having a quiet time, setting up that time, being being intentional, um, and um, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I I think you 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 know should you should you should want to um, desire to spend time with the Almighty, uncreated Creator. Like you should want to do that. Like that that should be a natural response to who God is. Um, and and so there's not there's I think saying that hey if you if you know who Christ is if you've accepted Christ here's your next steps reading and praying every day is not a bad thing but it's 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 that it can be sneakily created into a legalism where it's like well if you don't read and 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 pray every day then it's probably because you don't love God enough um, and that's dangerous that's bad um, you know I talked about it last week you can't fall more in love when the with the with the religious practices, with the rules of the religious practice, than you can with the people that you're trying to reach. You can't fall more in love with the thoughts behind religious practice. You can't fall in love with the rules behind the religious practice more than the people you're trying to, the lost people. And and so that that's is kind of what happens. It, it it comes it becomes more about hey did you have you done all the check boxes have you done everything um, because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus that's how the, like and so what what happens with that for me uh, specifically because again I just want to talk about my experience I don't want to put this experience on anybody else but I think that you know as you think about a lot of deconstruction what's going on here what what happened for me was that. Being a Christian then became a very narrow scope of people who did a very narrow scope of things. And if you were outside of that scope in any way, then you didn't fit and it was hard to tell what you were. But mostly I was suspicious that you weren't a Christian because you weren't doing the things like I did, the things that I thought you should do. 
And it became a very narrow kingdom of God because only those people who looked like me, thought like me, did the things I thought they should do, did the, and, and then um, expected the same thing of me, actually are part of the kingdom of God. And that's why, like, if you, if you um, grew up in the South, um, you may have experienced uh, like a church of Christ saying that you can't belong because you don't, you're not saved because you weren't baptized into the true church. Um, you, you have, uh, I mean, Baptists are just as bad to just be suspicious that anybody that isn't Baptist probably has bad doctrine and probably isn't saved. You know, get a Baptist to talk about a Catholic, uh, get a, get a Catholic to talk about a Baptist. I don't know. I don't have many Catholic friends, so I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that, um, I went four years of my life going on a mission trip. Uh, in college, and one of the things we learned is about how to witness the Catholic people because they weren't quite saved enough. Now, that being said, that was a little snarky. Catholic Baptist doesn't matter. What matters is, is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your heart? Are you following him? Now, those are the things that I think that we should teach as gospel messages, gospel-centric things. What we want to teach is that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, um, and, and if we're going to take, and, and I wrote, I wrote about this in a blog, but I, I just love, like, it just keeps, I keep circling back around to it. If we want to take Jesus at his word, which is, this is what he said. This is what he said. Jesus about Jesus' teaching. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus. He says, take my, take on my yoke. It's, it's light. It's easy. Um, and so the, the immediate thing that we say, okay, well, what, what do we not have to do then, Jesus? Like, you, if, if, you're light, if your load is light, if it's easy, what do we not have to do? Like, what rules can we just start ignoring? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. What I mean is the law is going to continue to be fulfilled, and there's nothing that could take away or destroy the law. But, but the, the understanding of what that means of what that looks like is going to greatly change. Um, and, and because the, that, uh, that understanding is going to change, um, Jesus is talking about the idea that, Hey, my, my, um, my yoke, my teaching is easy. And, and I think the reason that it, that at least one of the reasons, at least to give you, there could be some other things in there too. Um, but at least one of the reasons is because he, he makes it simple, He's like, you, do you want to follow the commandments? Love God. You want to truly follow all the commandments? You want to fulfill the law? Love God, love people. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love people like you would love yourself. And he's like, you're done. If you do those things, you will cover, you will, you will get rid of, you'll be able to eliminate a host of sins because you'll be chasing, you'll be too busy obsessed with following God, knowing him and making him known. And, and that is the, that is the light yoke of the teaching of Jesus. And, and so where does that fit into the gospel? Because, because I'm not seeing that, right? I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing like, oh, okay, well, you have salvation. You said the prayer. Great. Awesome. Um, hey, come join church. Come, come join the small groups. Come, come serve here. Come be a part of this. Come do this. And Jesus says, if, if you truly want to know, if you truly want to know, just, just love God. 
if you're doing the right thing, you should just love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love others like you would love yourself. And he's like, and that's that takes care of the of the commandments that, that hits everyone that that takes care of it. If you're doing that, you don't have to worry about doing all the other things that you might need to worry or that you might want to worry about that you would think because because if you do those two things, then you have fulfilled the law. And so, so Jesus says it's easy because instead of having to worry about all the minutiae and all the details and all the many different laws that are out there, we don't have to worry about that because if we just love God with all that we have, if we truly, truly, truly love God with all that we have, we love people as we want to be loved, as we love ourselves more than we love ourselves, we love those other people, then we are fulfilling the law of God. We're filling it full as it was meant to be. So, where does that fit in the gospel presentation? Glad you asked. So, what I think that, um, more than anything, when I think about the gospel presentation is that I think that, that we miss out on uh, a big portion of it being just about this, the God who loves us, wanting to know us, and wanting us to know that he loves us, um, and all the different ways he he makes that happen. Um, and, and so, um, the gospel, um, is good news because it's about a God who loves us. The gospel is, is great news because it's about a God who loves us and a God who makes a way for us to be in continuous relationship with him. And, and that is, that is the gospel, that God loves us and wants to know us, and he wants us to know. But, but, but one of the things that, that I looked at this weekend was that was I went on what's called a creation walk, which was just an illustration of Genesis 1 through 7. And, and what was clear and evident, if you read through Genesis 1, um, sorry, not 1 through 7, but the first day, the seven days of creation is in Genesis. If you read through that, what you see is the immenseness, the powerfulness, the omnipotence, the, the far reach of God. And, and he, is, he is distant. He is big. He is unknowable. And, and yet the fact is that God wants you to know him. And so that when we, when we accept his praise, when we accept um, his love, then we are able to know him. And, 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 and that's the gospel. And, and I think that in some of the ways, it's just that Jesus tells a story about the gospel and, and the kingdom. And, and, and he says that it's like this. And, and this, is, this is where like, I've been meditating over the past couple of weeks and months just thinking through this because I think it's so important. God says, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, which includes um, the word. Uh, we should love the word. Um, we, we should not, it's not, should not necessarily elevate it to the uh, uh, Trinity, um, but we should love the word because... Um, the, the, this is, is, we should love God. We should love the word. We should love, because that's God's communication to us. And, and then, um, we should, we should love, um, following him. And, and so this is how, this is how Jesus describes it in, in a parable. Um, and I think it just suits so well. It says that, that one day, a man who had been looking for treasure found a field with a, with a pearl. Um, and 
um, he was so excited. He went, he went out and he sold all his other fields because he had found the, the treasure that he had been searching for. And that would be the only thing that would fulfill his soul. And, and so, um, he was willing to give up everything else to have the pearl. He was willing, he was willing to give up up into probably his own life so that he could display the beautifulness of the pearl. And Jesus tells this story because he's, he's reminding us that the kingdom of God, the Bible, the movement of God is just like that present precious pearl that we should treasure and that we, sh- we should be willing to sacrifice and give up everything for. That's what, he, that's what he tells us. That's what we should do. That's what we should expect. That is the, the heartbeat or one of the heartbeats behind the gospel. That we would know God that God, even though he is omnipotent and omniscient and all-powerful and, and far and away beyond us, not us, not like us, not prone to the same um, outbursts and struggles that we are, but, but nonetheless, he is, that, that the Bible would teach, and it does, that the Bible would teach that we are called to pray to him. And when we pray, he inclines his ear to listen. He loves us so much. We're like little, he, he loves to dote on us. He loves us so much. Like little children, he says, when we call on him, he answers. Um, and, and I think that that is amazing. It's, it's stupefying. It's astounding that the God who has so much power to create the world Yet if, if I, the, this one single lost or weary soul, calls out to God, God inclines his ear, he can hear, and he focuses in. Because he wants to hear what you have to say. He is, he is huge, he is beyond, he is not like us, but he does desire that relationship. And because he does, the, the the parable about the the cost of the good good uh, the cost of the field the treasure um, is is about the idea that all the other things we have in life pale in comparison of what we find in Jesus Jesus is the treasure it's the good pearl it's what you're willing to sell the other fields for just to have this field and and I think that 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 thrust of the gospel um, just just is is probably harder to pre- present, um, but it it is much needed because it it balances out this idea that that the gospel is only about what happens when you die, what happens after you die. That's what the gospel is about. But it's it's really not. It's it's about what kind of life are you choosing to live for Jesus, and would Jesus be honored by that life? And and if he's and if he's not, like and it's not even about. I mean, even that it's not even about the life that you live necessarily. Although it can be, it's about where's your heart. 
do you love Je- do you love Jesus and so you want to serve him do you love him and so you want to know what the easy um, lo- light load is the, 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 the teaching do you love him and so you want to sit at his feet or, or are you um, just wanting to, to taste the food um, are you wanting just to as, as he fed the 5,000 just to to take part in, in these these miraculous crazy gifts that happen and so that you're not missing out on some um, special food um, so yeah I, I think that as we as we think about the fullness of the gospels we think about how to prepare um, for the fullness of the gospel that we we have to think about this um, in, in other ways. And, and so one of the other ways that we have to think about, and, and I'm sorry if I ramble some of this um, because my I'm brain is toast, but um, the other thing that we had to think about is that God's word is, is beautiful because it is his attempt to reach us. Um, he wants us to have his word so he, we can know the creator. Um, he gives us that. It's beautiful. And so like the Psalms talk about it, it says like, like your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word is like honey on my lips. And, I, and then I think about that. It's like, do I always or even at any time treasure God's, God's word like that? That I, that I think it's just, it's, it's just so amazing that I, that I treasure it, that I, that I sink my flag into it. Do I have those type of things? Am I truly falling if I don't? I don't know. Because of so much of my experience of the, my early days of the gospel was about do and don't. And if you do this, then God will do this. And if you don't do this, then God will do this. And if you do this, then God won't do this. And, and it was, it was transactional. It, was very, it wasn't really relational. Uh, it was this idea that um, if you wanted to be in God's good graces, then you did the things. But it wasn't about knowing your creator on an intimate level because he wanted to know you. And and that's one of the things that we really landed on as we thought about the gospel this um, this past weekend for junior high kids is the fact that the foundation of the gospel Paul says this. I mean, he says, for God, because God loved us first, when we were enemies, it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It is God's goodness. It is his love that draws us to him. And so when we, when we make it about the things that we can do and the checkboxes that we can make, and we don't make it about just the relationship, um, then we miss out. We, it, we becomes a much more incomplete and shallow gospel. Uh, we, when we don't see it as the treasure, when we don't see it as like this is worthwhile giving up everything for, um, then, then often we miss on that treasure and, and we, live it, we leave it buried in the field in hopes that some other person might find it, recover it, and, and show its beauty to the world. Um, the challenge this week is to think through if you were going to present a fullness of the gospel, what things would you include? I'm not saying that I've included all the things in this uh, podcast. I probably haven't. Um, and uh, I have missed some things. But but what would you include? How would you go about 
um, telling people about what it means, what it's like, why uh, to follow God and, and what steps they can take. I uh, want we'll think about that. Um, and we will, um, be see you next week after another, this time high school, but another winter extreme camp. Uh, hope that you're doing well and hope that God blesses you immensely this week. Thank you.